words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I prepared a sermon on the lesson from the Hebrew Scriptures from the book of the prophet Hosea, in part because I thought that the the gospel was abundantly clear, the parable perhaps more clear than any other parable in the gospel, that your life does not consist in, in an abundance of possessions. Do not make abundance wealth your idol. I wrote the sermon before the events of this past week, even before this weekend, and so I want to begin with a moment of silence to remember, to pray, to ask for strength, to work for peace and mercy in our land. Pray for the families of the victims of the violent shootings in Gilroy, California, in South Haven, Mississippi, in El Paso, Texas, and in Dayton, Ohio. Let us keep the families and loved ones of all who are mourning and hurt. our hearts and prayers. As we mourn, we also commit to work against gun violence and that the long litany of shooting massacres will stop. The long litany that bishops against gun violence add to again and again and again will with people of courage, its root causes be addressed, faced, confronted, and overcome. Amen. There are good moms, and there are bad moms. Most mothers are a complicated combination. 
The mother we encounter in the scripture today is fierce. Fierce as in righteous. Fierce in truth. Fierce in loyalty. Fierce in mercy. Fierce in love. The mother we encounter in the prophet Hosea is sweet at first and then angry and justifiably so. She is powerfully depicted as roaring like a lion, roaring in betrayal, roaring not to intimidate, but instead roaring to call her children back home to her, no matter what they've done. And that mother is our fiercely compassionate God, and she has been badly betrayed. Likewise, there are good dads and there are bad dads. And most, as we know, are a complicated combination. And the father that I encountered in a photograph a couple months ago, a photograph in the news, a photograph from the southern Texas border, was a very tender and very scared father. The image of that dad was one of a father who had no choice, really, and with so much love, so much love, he scooped up his daughter, held her to his cheek, kissed her, and carried her to the shore, her little two-year-old arm flung trustingly around his neck. Having already walked, learned to walk, this little almost two-year-old, but not to swim, she needed to be carried across the river. And she felt safe in the world in her father's arms. I think many of you probably saw that picture. That picture of them was all over the news this summer. Her little arm still clung to his, her father, his shirt over her to try to keep her close, warm, connected. His wife, her mother struggled nearby, out of the picture, unable to reach them as they got into danger as they both drowned in the Rio Grande. Drowned trying to cross the border. They were from a country called El Salvador, which many of you know translated means the Savior. And they could have come from any number of countries. But this time, they were Salvadoran. And their situation was complicated. They wanted to cross the border away from the detention centers. Yes, an illegal misdemeanor offense. Just like if you ever walk in the, across the middle of Holman Street, that's jaywalking. 
Yes, an illegal misdemeanor offense. Yes, like a traffic ticket or jaywalking. Yes, but one which led to a fatal collision, a fatal drowning. And I imagine the mother there, out of reach, across the river from them, wailing and roaring like a lion, calling to them, calling them back to safety desperately. A mother fiercely loving, calling out to the two people she loved the most in the world, calling out in their language, Amor, hijita, amor, hijita, mi amor, mi hijita, my love, my little girl, my love, my little girl, my love, my little girl. Come back to me. And I hear God's lament in her lament, God's turmoil in hers. And I recognize that she has been badly betrayed, betrayed by a world gone rogue from the way of God. In Hosea, we are given a rare glimpse into God's inner emotional turmoil over the actions of God's children. The thought of punishing his people for, the, for their betrayal literally causes God's heart to turn over upon itself. I've heard it said that, the act, that in the act of creation, the God who is all in all makes room for an other to be. And this requires a kind of contraction or concentration or withdrawal into God's self. But a withdrawal that creates a space within God's self for another to be and to become. And this is a vision of a God who makes room, a God who more than makes room, a God who bends down and lifts up his children, her children, like a loving parent. This is what God is. This is what God is like. Heart-wrenching within, making room fiercely and tenderly, protecting even those who are betraying. When God is betrayed, it is always specific. Like God's love is specific, never generalized. Each of us known and cherished, metaphorically taught to walk, given our independence, watched with eyes that have known us since before we knew ourselves. When we make sacrifices to idols, whatever form that takes, when we find a sense of superiority on the backs of others, when we choose might over right, there is real pain and loss, specific consequences. That father at the river had a name. It was Oscar. The daughter in the river had a name. It was Angie Valeria. The mother at the river has a name. It is Tanya. Hosea, the prophet, in one of the most remarkable oracles in the entire prophetic literature, 
takes us on a journey into the heart of God, and that heart looks and sounds like a lot like that roaring, wailing lion of a mother on the Rio Grande. How are we ever to be forgiven for betraying the way of God? Isaiah offers an image of a God who cries out to us to return, roars as he is being betrayed, roars as she calls her children back to her. And that essential mercy of God is captured in a modern take on an anonymous Hebrew poem from the 13th century called You and I. In it, the writer asks, You are Jehovah, and I am a wanderer. Who should have mercy on a wanderer if not Jehovah? You create and I decay. Who should have mercy on the decayed if not the creator? You are the judge and I am guilty. Who should have mercy on the guilty if not the judge? You are all and I am a particle. Who should have mercy on a particle if not the all? You are the beginning and I am what follows. Who should have mercy on what follows if not the beginning? You are the end and I am what follows. Who should have mercy on what follows if not the end? God, creator, judge all, the beginning and the end, calls us back to the way home through mercy to common, beloved humanity and human decency. Last summer, during our Episcopal Church's general convention in Austin, I got a phone call. The caller was unidentified, but lo the location identifier on my phone was coming up as, as the call was coming from the town of Eagle Pass, near Piedras Negras on the Texas-Mexican border. When I answered the call, the immigration official on the phone asked me a couple of questions to make sure I was who he was looking for, and then he said to me, I have some Salvadorans here. Are these your Salvadorans? Just like that, without even naming them. Are these your Salvadorans? Are these your El Pasoans? Are these any of those looking for safety, for welcome, for a new beginning. Are these yours? If we are listening to the roar, to the roar of God right now, to the call of our mother God, to the call of our father God, we will answer, yes, yes, they are our Salvadorans. They are our people. They're our, they are our brothers and sisters will not turn away. Yes, they are ours.